was. How awesome was it last night? Boring. The episode. <laughs> oh, you're gonna you're gonna shoot it down before I even get to the point. All right, let me explain really quick to people that are listening. We just tried to start the show like three times, but Micah just thought our jokes were terrible. Selena and I. Yeah, just, pretty much. Sax jokes. No, they were your jokes first. <laughs> She's like, "Hey, we really can be the trio this week, like Harry Potter." And I was like, "Oh, good uh-huh. Potter joke." Micah, what do you think? Since you were on MuggleCast, and he was like, "Uh." Uh. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have a, a Subway story to share with you to start this week's episode. Yeah, I know. You really uh, fell through on us. I don't have any interesting Game of Thrones stories. Oh, I, I can say this. Um, I didn't get to watch the episode last night until, let me look at my notes here, 4.12 a.m. And so I got oh, to I see didn't. all of the delicious spoilers that you guys tweeted our way, people that listen to the show. So thank you for all those delicious spoilers. I, I was stuck it. on a train from... DC to New York, and I saw all those tweets. Were you hanging out with jealous. Obama? Yeah, we, uh, you know, he invited me down to hang out for the weekend, so we just, uh, you know, chilled out his pad in DC. And he's actually a very big uh, Game of Thrones fan. Who's his favorite character? Yeah, really. Uh, he likes Tyrion. Yeah. Mm. Were you guys hooping, like playing the b ball? I know he's a big fan of b ball. Yeah, yeah. We took we took to the courts, uh, played a little horse. Well, that makes sense. None of God this is sleep. true, by the way. <laughs> like, oh, people believed it. You know, they were so excited. You never know. Um, <laughs> At least one person believed it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, probably. Speaking of tweets, I got the funniest tweets last night from a listener. And I wish I could say who it was, but they deleted them all. But it was basically like, I don't know if they were drunk tweeting me or what was going on. But first I got like an <laughs> at Selena Wilkin. Nothing. And then like a little bit later, I got like at Selena Wilkin. Hashtag Blackwater. And then I got a third one that was at Selena Wilkin. Oh, I forgot it was past midnight your time. <laughs> oh, oh. Sounds like you have a stalker. Why haven't we been drunk tweeted yet? I know. And Selena just got to like sneak in plugs for her Twitter account at the top know, of the three, episode. Three plugs. Great. <laughs> well, today is Memorial so Day in the United States, which means that most of our counterparts are barbecuing. And guess what? Micah and I, um, apparently Micah exhausted all of his patrioticness over the weekend in D.C. I did. I went to all the monuments and uh, paid my respects. Which is good. And I've been working. I was at a studio last night till 1 a.m. and then I had to drive for three hours. So there's that. And Selena's in Sweden. Just sweeten it up. Yep. As always. So can we I- We won Eurovision. Can I ask Ooh. my question? Yeah, go ahead. The, uh, the question I was going to ask at the start of the episode was how awesome was it to see- George R.R. R. Martin in the credits at the very beginning, knowing that he wrote this episode. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. And could you Simple. tell that he wrote it versus some of the others? Um, honestly, I didn't feel like there was any major difference other than this entire episode was a battle. So yes, everything was different. I felt it a little bit in, uh, in Tyrion's voice. Like, I know he's always awesome, but I felt like he was, like, ten times more awesome than usual. Yeah. I just, I guess I'm not, I, I haven't read this far, obviously, so I don't have the same perspective you guys have. But I feel like this entire episode, they were channeling, like, the two towers from Lord of the Rings. Like, I just felt I, like... I have, God, yes. I have you know so I mean? many notes from that saying, like, Helm's Deep. And I have yeah. one that goes, like, um, when Tyrion gets the axe. I mean, come on. <laughs> Gimli. You have my axe. <laughs> 
That's I'm awesome. expecting him to be like, toss me. <laughs> All right, listen, here's the thing. Oh, God, because he is small. Oh, you just exactly. blew my mind. Oh, my God. <laughs> and you've got the archer, Braun, you know, the bromance. Yeah. It's just yeah. so Oh, that right is there. true. Wow. That is such a... Wow. I never thought about that. Yes. I have a, a yearly ritual since I've been in second grade. Is and this was before HP was out, obviously. So, but I read the Lord of the Rings, and now since I was nine, Harry Potter. I read them once a year, right? Aww. And so, so I'm, I'm I'm really into these stories, and and obviously the films. And I'm a huge fan of the films just because I'm a I'm a huge fan of film, obviously, and I work in it, but. Um, I thought this episode, I was like, I, I, I'm not sure who directed it, but I was thinking this guy literally, I mean, and I don't really fault him for it because sometimes you have to borrow from good artists. But I mean, I felt like so much of this looked exactly like Helm's Deep. Like I was just missing the explosion. That yes. was it. And I mean, how many ways is there to do a big medieval style castle battle like that? I guess, but no, you're it really, right. You're really right. Like it, it was so Helmsteep. But then again, we know, like maybe that was intentional because we know that George R. R. Martin is like the ultimate Tolkien fanboy. So yeah. you know, Samwise Gamgee stands as a testament, or whatever his name is in Game of Thrones. Um, yeah. But you know, you that's just you know when power to the Tyrion and, and every all of that. So it's that I think in a way that was like his his big love letter to Lord of the Rings right there. Well, I think that's 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 cool because it felt a lot like the Urukai coming toward Helm's Deep, yeah. and you have like you have Joffrey and you have the rest of the Kingsguard and you have Tyrion all hanging up on the battlement, looking down at the battle, sort of shouting orders, and it felt so much like Theoden when he was in like the, the inside of the uh, the keep right there at the top mm. of Helm's Deep. It just, it felt so much like it. And when they were throwing up the ladders, I was thinking like, man, you guys are doing it wrong. You got to have hooks, bro. <laughs> like you got, come on, you need hooks, guys. But I don't know. It it, it worked. Although. It was amazing. Um, it was, yeah, it was incredible. And I've seen the Lord of the Rings movies. I haven't read the books, so I don't have as much to uh, to draw on. Well, I promise you that it was good. <laughs> yeah. And and you know, speaking of Joffrey, was it just me or was he absolutely hilarious in this episode? Like in the past, oh, yes. I've just hated him, but I think I've gone past hating him now. To, I, I think he's one of the best characters in the show because I just laugh every time he's on screen. I just cannot take him seriously. His kiss my sword and his run away and like I was just like you kiss little. my sword. <laughs> and that whole like, scene was perfect. He was like you'll kiss it again when I return and I was just like. Uh, Sansa definitely pushed the envelope there, and and we had a lot of tweets about that. Um, and I am too far away from my Twitter client now to quote your exact names, but know that I am putting it in your way. But the, a lot of people were saying like that whole exchange where Sansa stood up to him and was like, "Oh, of course you'll be out, and you'll be out fighting in the vanguard. You'll be right out there." I'm sorry, Your Grace. I'm stupid. Of course you'll be out there. I was very mm. uh. Yeah, it was very sort of well done nice, to her. Yeah, it was well done, obviously, but it was a nice build up because so you know so far we've seen her just shudder in his presence, but it, it it spoke a lot of the situation that he didn't have enough time to sit there and be like, "But I'm the king, and you have to do stuff because I'm the king." You know, it was like, okay, well, because I'm about to get sacked, I have a feeling that your insults are going to have less weight right now. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Sansa is a tough character to like because she is so weak and she is sort of the stereotypical girl that you see in these stories and you just want to slap them and shake them and be like, you know, grow up and get real. And so any anything they can give her to make her more appealing to the audience, I really enjoy. Were you annoyed that she didn't go with the Hound in this episode? The Hound knows that 
I would assume he does. Winterfell has been taken by Theon, so why would he offer to take her to Winterfell? Oh, I totally forgot about that. Maybe that they don't made know no sense to me. all the ravens they were killed, so maybe they don't know yet. That's true. Well, I mean, let's be honest here. I'm th- pretty sure the Hound could destroy Theon's presence <laughs> in Winterfell by himself. Yeah, no, that's that's yeah. a good point. Uh, <laughs> like, like he's like, well, I'll go take back Winterfell for you if you'd like. How bad uh, is it that that um. Theon wasn't in this episode because since Eric isn't here, we could just slate. <laughs> oh, let's slay Theon oh. right now. But I think in this episode, you got a a real personal look at the Hound. You know, there was that moment with mm-hmm. Sansa where he says that he wouldn't hurt her, so it's clear that he has some sort of feelings for her. And then there's also that moment out on the uh, the shore where he's fighting, where he's clearly afraid of all the fire that's around him. So he was almost humanized in a way, whereas for most of this season and even the season before, he's kind of like this brute force. Yeah. When he saw that fire coming, that was amazing because you just knew what he was thinking. I really thought that it was brilliantly portrayed too, because even me being so disconnected, because I, I guess for right now, the three of us, I'm the only one that hasn't read the books. And um, I saw the look on his face. And at first I didn't know, I thought he was like sort of, giving Braun props because earlier in the episode mm-hmm. when him and Braun had the whole like head clashing Pissing thing like, I thought it was pr- I love when this kind of thing happens when a a big character who has who's so badass and you know everyone is so scared of and does so many things like he gives props to another character for being badass so when he was telling Braun you're pretty much as good as I am except I'm bigger and Bron was like, "Well, I'm faster." That was a cool <laughs> moment for me because I enjoy when stories like I enjoy like actually I was sort of emailing you about this when it comes to Doctor Who, Selena, and I I enjoy when stories sort of go somewhere that's risky and they don't really go. So like you know going to the time traveling to see the end of the world and only the second episode of the first season is risky. Having the Hound, who's so badass and who's so unattainable and so scary, like give another guy all of this credit and sort of like a clashing of universes, like people that are Braun fans, people that are Hound fans. I I felt like that was so interesting. And so having that happen and then seeing Braun just because there was that whole sequence where Braun was just like he saves him with an arrow. And then he slashes the like three guys up with the daggers, and then he Too looks at the hound. And I thought I thought for a moment the hound was like congratulating him in his mind, like giving him all these props, and then himself getting scared of just the fighting. But then I saw all of the montage shots with the fire, and it immediately clicked in my mind. And you know what was so brilliant as well about that scene with Bronn and um, the hound, and also a very brave move. Like d- despite the gratuitous nudity, which I feel like I need to comment about <laughs> yeah uh, sorry guys and um but besides besides from that i thought it was so interesting how you had such a long scene in such an important episode between these two characters who until now really have been supporting because you said you know Bron fans hound fans but how i mean Bron is an awesome fan favorite character but how many quote-unquote fans are there really of these specific two characters? They are both minor. So and many they, more now, though, after well, that yeah, scene. Yeah, but like just putting them together without any of the leads, because there's always been a lead as like the focus of a scene. But in this one, I really felt like without that lead, it was like the game, excuse my bad pun, um, that it just opened up and it just became about something else. And I was like, wow, this is like a really unique scene. No, it's true. Yeah, and I, and I think it was awesome how it opened up and there you had Bronn singing the Lannister song. Oh, that was so good. Drawing <laughs> yes. a blank on the name of it right now. That uh, was so good. Isn't it? Oh, man. The Reigns of Castamere or something like that. 
And because I saw people tweeting about it after the fact, and I feel like that's only something that George R. R. Martin would write into the show, knowing that fans of the book would be interested in seeing or appreciate seeing oh, that yeah. little thing added into it. Yeah. It that added so awesome. much to the episode, though. I, I guess that's something that, uh, Selena, I didn't you know catch when you asked that question, but... With Martin being such a huge Tolkien fanboy, and with Tolkien himself, like he wrote these, he's so yeah, he was, was so much well. influenced by the region that he grew up in, um, and 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 his like his main because he was a scholar when he moved on to Oxford and did all those things, and he was so obsessed with Anglo-Saxon lore, which I feel like Martin, um, the, I mean, obviously Game of Thrones off, juxtaposes a lot of Nordic Anglo-Saxon lore, but. Um, just the just showing history throughout song, which is such a prevalent thing within any tales within Middle Earth, and seeing Martin pay more homage, not only on top of the fact that this was so much like Helm's Deep, but pay yeah, more definitely. homage, but to himself, just to at least write one little song in. That's just it's just brilliant and does such mm-hmm. a, a good job conveying the importance of the episode. It's like the you know the road goes ever on and on in the beginning right. of fellowship. Down to the I mean, door you get where that, it began. Yeah, you get the little <laughs> yeah, hints. Could, oh my gosh, we could talk about this all day. I could definitely <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um, but no, you're right. And I want to. I was just want to thank, thank everyone on Twitter who who helped me figure out that this was also the song that played at the end because clearly I'm a terrible book fan and I didn't realize. Oh, so that makes you. sense. Oh, that's cool. Now that makes sense because I'm I was listening to the song realize. like, where's this song coming from? <laughs> oh, because it was totally different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't Braun. Yeah. No, no, it was, Um, it's some, oh God, I don't even know. I posted the listing for the season two soundtrack on Hypeable and it's one of the songs on there and they, they got some orchestra to do it, I think. I love that they give Braun so much shit for being a pretty singer. I love that. Yeah. Like, he has a good voice. I just, I know that it's, uh, there's, there's three of us, so I feel like it's a little loose today. Which is good, which is whatever. But I, I really I just have to tell you guys, and I guess everyone listening, how much I truly enjoy Bronn's character. Like Me I, too. from the moment he was introduced in season one, I was just like, man, this guy is such a such an enigma. Like someone who's going to step up in the middle of the eerie and be like, all right, I'll defend this guy. When he was in a room full of people that were just being total dicks to Tyrion, and, and for what they thought was good reason, you know, there's a crazy kid who's nursing past the age of fifteen or how old he, you know what I mean? I just, I just. From that moment mm. on, I became a huge fan of him from when he was in the tent with Tyrion and when Tyrion and Shay were first meeting and he was like, all right, I'll give you guys some room. Like, I just <laughs> feel like I just feel like he's been throughout the series an obvious like bro, favorite. Yeah. And then today or today, I, I watched it this morning. But from this episode on, I feel like with, with the interaction he had with the Hound and even giving the Hound all of that respect, because Bronn could have been a total dick. When well, the hound was he being was a ready dick. to pull a knife on him too. Well, right, but but not out of disrespect. If anything, that's more respect. That's like this guy is is lethal, you know. And I'm obviously lethal as well. And I'm the head of the Kingsguard, and I've stepped up so much from the dirt I was living in. But we're just, I don't know. Mm. When he talks about his past and how you know how the girl was flirting with him, and I agree, it was a lot of gratuitous nudity. And I was a little annoyed because I feel like it's just it's just a shame. And I watch girls HBO as well. And I I understand that people pay a premium for HBO and that I guess that's just part of what they expect. What they pay for. <laughs> it's just yeah. it's just kind of disappointing because I feel like and I don't think it really alienates many people in the Game of Thrones audience, but I feel like that there's a lot of um kids that are probably between the ages of thirteen, fifteen, twelve to fifteen that 
probably aren't being shown this show by their even progressive parents just because of that. Because I feel like these yeah. are the same kids that were watching Lord of the Rings years ago, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I guess, like, that's the thing. I really don't have a problem with the nudity on the show if it serves a purpose. Because that's the part of the being more unrated is that you can show a more, you know, a, a bigger part of the story. You can show more violence. You can show more sex. You can show more skin. You know, it's a bit more realistic. But it just, I I was thinking in this scene as well. I was like, it's such a shame that you have to have this naked girl sitting on his lap doing this amazingly powerful scene because we don't want the audience to be looking at her. (laughs) We want them to be paying attention to the huge thing that's going on between Bronn and the Hound. So that was my opinion as well. But how different was that scene with the Lannisters? Uh, You know, they're sitting there, they're singing, they're drinking. There's a lot of nudity going on, as you pointed out. But then you go to Stannis' ships, and the guys are in the bowels of these ships vomiting. Mm -hmm. That's true. And feeling sick to their stomachs. It seems like two completely different sides of of preparing for war, almost. Yeah, that actually was a really nice juxtaposition right there. And I think that um, the nudity, Selena, may have served a purpose that they were trying to convey. I just think they were a little bit gratuitous with it. Like, I think, and I'm not conservative by any stretch of the imagination, everybody that's listening, like, I really don't care about that stuff personally. But the only reason I am annoyed, because I feel like it may alienate new people that could get some real enjoyment out of this series. Mm -hmm. But um, I feel like it was to paint the context that they were so like what Micah was saying, such a difference from Stannis's crew that was, you know, they were sacking because they felt like they had to. And the people that were defending the Red Keep and defending the whole city, I feel like they were defending because it was their job. And so within Mm -hmm. their job, they have the spoils already. Like they're just like getting drunk and getting ready, you know? Yeah. Uh, Before we move on to that, I just wanted to point out a really quick thing about Bronn as well, which is that you said that he's so likable and I totally agree that he... He, I, I, he's one of my favorite characters in this series. But this is this is one of the characters that I feel like they have made more sympathetic for the show. And obviously, another one is Tywin, and another one is Shay as well. Like they've they in the books, they aren't as likable as I think they come across. And I think that's interesting because I absolutely love Brown Braun in the show. Better TV girlfriend. Yeah. yeah and- <laughs> Being sympathetic, I think they were able to do that with the Hound, both in the show and in the book. What do you guys think is going to happen to him now? I mean, we see him basically saying, I'm not the king's guard, fuck the city, fuck the king. And he walks away right in front of Tyrion, who probably smiled a little bit on the inside when he heard that, uh, because (laughs) we know he hates Joffrey so much. But, you know, we see him go with Sansa. Uh, it, you know, into her room and, and is sort of, I don't really know if he's waiting for her there or, you know, because she can't really expect that she's going to show up all, knowing that she's locked away, but I guess she shows up at some point. And I think that he there. was just at the end of his wits because, I mean, yeah. look at him. Look how look how disgruntled he was by the fire. I mean, look at his face. I mean, I we were talking about it earlier and we, we touched on it a little bit, but he really, in that moment, was, you know, put to the base of his humanity and he was just terrified because as a kid, this is what happened to him. And I feel like it does a lot to show the real feelings he has towards Sansa, not in a sexual way. It's literally in a brotherly, fatherly way where he's just, he wants to make sure that he feels so bad for someone that against her, against her will completely was brought there and is now stuck in this terrible situation. Yeah. Maybe so, he feels a little bit of the same himself. 
Yeah, well, exactly. Except that he's, aka, you know, for all intents and purposes, air quotes, he's free. But she is just stuck, helpless, small in the middle of this. And I think just his his compassion toward her, feeling that they're so much alike, is the only reason he went to a familiar place, which was her room. Yeah, and he even says to that one guard, shoot that fire arrow near me and I'll cut out your intestines and strangle you with them. <laughs> which I thought was awesome. Yes. Uh, but apparently... <laughs> That's the fire fantastic. showed up anyway. Well, we got a ton of tweets, um, and I'm going to look through them right now. But Nathan Jones 135 basically said, if any of you die with a clean sword, I'll rape your fucking corpse. Um, <laughs> and a lot of you guys tweeted that. But was that not, I don't know, I felt like <laughs> just this episode was such a, a, a neat juxta from all of the others. And little lines like that really, really, I feel like was the icing on the cake. Like, R.R. Martin was just like, yeah, I get to write the hound, right? And like, he was like giddy, almost like you could <laughs> yes. see his kid-like self coming out. So that was cool. And what is so interesting as well is that I know that this isn't, we're not really supposed to go into depth with this, is that George R. R. Martin chose to focus his episode, I know that's what happened in the book as well, but chose to focus his episode so much on sort of a bit of the fringe characters in a way. Like we had the hound, we had Abron, as we talked about, we had da- da- Davos, we had... um who else did we have? Well, obviously Tyrion, but Tyrion is Martin's favorite character, so no surprise Shea. there. We had, Cersei. We had Sansa, a lot of Cersei. we had Cersei, we had Shay. Like, it sort of seemed, like, obviously King's Landing based, Varys. but Varys, yeah, so yeah, there Varys, was just yeah. some interesting character exploration of characters we haven't seen a lot of before. You know, that's, that's true, and I, I, it's interesting because it was... The whole episode was about Stannis taking over the city, but we saw very little of Stannis, which I thought was interesting. You know, mm-hmm. can, but I thought what we what we did see of him was awesome, though. Oh, I, absolutely! I mean, when he just, I mean, we the, the show kind of opened with that shot of him, but later on, after the whole wildfire situation, where you see him just rally his troops and lead them in, and he jumps down on the beach. He's the first one off the boat. I mean... Such a badass, too. Looking at him compared to Joffrey, who's kind of hiding behind his mom's skirts. Well, what uh, did you guys think about Davos's son? Because... I'm sorry, but he is like, I, I want to nickname him Crazy Eyes, officially. <laughs> hey, that's a good nickname. Right, nice right. It's better than last month, last Very week. Very creative. Um, but no, it is. <laughs> um, my God, he is so f- creepy. I'm glad I, he died. I know, that's strong. Ouch. I didn't know at first that it was his son. I guess it wasn't made very clear to me. Although I was devouring some late night food. We so saw I'm, him in an earlier episode. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. Salador San said... Uh, and he was like... What did he hey, say to him? He was like, Pops, you're coming home. How does it feel? Mm-hmm. And he was like, hey, I haven't been here in like 20 years, so pretty sure this isn't my home anymore. It was, it was a nice sort of beginning, and I felt like we finally got to see... Because, um, I mean... It was the, the you guys have told me this and from the book's perspective, in which the, the same guy who wrote the book wrote this episode. So I feel like he was owing back to his own work, but it was from Davos's perspective mainly, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think pretty much everything that you get in Clash of Kings is from Davos's perspective. You don't get uh, anything from Stannis's uh, in this book. So uh, I liked when he was talking with his son. And they they were discussing the battle plans and and how much the other side could possibly know, and uh, Davos comes back to his son and he says, "Lord Varys knows what you had for breakfast three days ago." Oh, I actually have that written down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he's like, no, he's like, yeah, it's like seven days ago or some shit like that. I was like, oh, that's hilarious. 
Um, it, would, it was interesting how he was giving other characters props, though, you know, yeah. like during this whole thing. And it, it put so much more perspective for people that maybe they watch the show passively and they don't really understand how how crazy that, that this is about to be, you know. Mm-hmm. But like my, my first my first note was, yeah, Davos, exclamation point. <laughs> Yeah, Look at really all them like, ships. So awesome. Yes, all the ships. What was so cool though was that um you had like on one side you had Tyrion and on the other side you had Davos and right at the beginning I remember thinking this is interesting because I really side with both of them. Like I wouldn't be able to say oh I want this one. Well, obviously I, I mean I love Tyrion more probably, but I they're they're both so sympathetic. You couldn't say that one of them was in the wrong, but I didn't like either of the people they were fighting for. That is a really weird idea because I'm going to be honest, and it's probably the same case with a lot of people listening to the show right now, but when I was watching this battle, I wasn't. I guess I wasn't really rooting for one particular side. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. You're rooting I, for particular characters, but not right. a side. Well, I just didn't want people to die because I, I assumed that we're going to get some crazy deaths in this episode because people mm-hmm. were just going crazy on Twitter. So I was just like, well, someone's going to die. It's going to be some crazy shit. But I guess no one, no one did die except Davos' son. No one major. Or maybe Davos. Or maybe Tyrion. That's true. Well, see, they end the episode. I feel like they they did a good job because even in the preview, they didn't show a clip of Davos or Tyrion, if I'm correct. So right. no, no. But it, it it felt really piratey, which I thought, okay, so you're finally we're seeing some of this budget, and this is like nice, lots of boats. Whereas Jack Sparrow, this is interesting. I like this. And then you know it, we we get to see Tyrion and Shay in bed with each other. And I, I was kind of funny. I was like, oh, they look the same size. This is good. They're in bed. They're hanging out. And then she had the, the excellent line that a lot of people, again, are going crazy about on Twitter. But he goes, you can't fuck your way out of everything. <laughs> and she was like, well, it's gotten me this far, basically. <laughs> and it, was like, and it made so much sense. Yeah. Because, like, seriously calls her out later in the episode and is like, oh, man, 10 years. And you go from blah, blah, blah to here. This is an interesting story. I'd like to hear this. But what is interesting about about Shay though is that do you guys think that because all bets are off according to apparent you know speaking of the books I think do you guys think in the show that she loves Tyrion or is she in it for the money money you think so yeah ninety nine mo- problems and a bitch is one for well, his that's what I, I thought really do think so. until this episode but then I was also unsure throughout the series so. I'm not the best judge of Shay. I think I just want to believe her. And I want to believe that she does love, genuinely love him. I've been saying it pretty much all season, but her view is really good. Like, it's a sweet view from Tyrion's bedroom. And I think that, I mean, no, that sounds really casual. But if you really think about it, the implications of that, I mean, ring true for a lot of different things. And I think that that, you know, she may love him. But from what I've seen face value from the show, I think that that's a main motivation for her, which I don't really blame her. But I think maybe it's a little bit more clear while you're reading the books, because as we said on the last episode, she's sequestered really uh, from King's Landing, and she's living in this brothel. And she doesn't have sort of the same amenities that King's Landing and and you know the uh, fresh towels and the new, castle new soap. would yeah would would provide for her if she was living with Tyrion, sort of in the way that she is. Uh, not to say that she wasn't provided for when she was at the brothel by Varus, but I think that it, that living condition may lend itself to be more believable that she actually did have feelings for Tyrion, because why put yourself through that unless you actually do have feelings for somebody? Um, yeah. you, know, you could just leave and go somewhere else. Um, 
Whereas I think with the show, it might lend you to believe more that she's in it for the money um, down the road. I could just be kind of cynical toward her in that regard because I really haven't been a huge fan of her since day one. But I mean, if you are watching the show, and I'm sure that a lot of you guys listening will agree with this, it is it is pretty clear that they're trying to make it look like she actually loves him. She said, "I'm not going to let anyone hurt you." Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So you know, maybe I'm be, maybe I am being a little cynical, and I admit that, but. Um, I think that she does love him. Yeah, she does. But where do you guys think that she was going at the end of the episode? Because we never, we, she said to say goodbye to someone, but was she going to go on the battlefield? I think so. That's what I assumed when I watched it. Mm, interesting. And she saves Sansa in a way. I mean, yes. who knows how things could have played themselves out there with the news being so <laughs> ill-timed, really, <laughs> right? Sir Illid Payne looked like a frog in that shot. <laughs> I, like, I, I, in the show notes right now in the post, I'm going to put a screenshot of that dude's face during that shot. I just thought it was hilariously brilliant. Like, he just looked like a frog, and I thought it was, I don't know, just totally random, but I just, he uh, he was very daunting. They've, they've done, they haven't talked about him much in the show, but in the book, and I've read the first book and a little bit of the second, and in the first book, they paint him as such a, just a daunting character, and the the implication of having him in that room to take care of all the maidens that was some shit mm-hmm. you're right and he's he's sort of this i mean i know he can't talk but just like like you're saying the facial expressions that, that he, he puts like out frog. there yeah. he's just, well, he, he was looking at shay like hey okay if you're letting sansa out when shit goes down you're the first one i'm coming after girly right but who's he gonna tell it's not like he's gonna go to cersei and say <laughs> sansa right. got away uh but you brought this up before, kind of talking about those peripheral characters. But I feel like in this episode, Martin did a great job with, with tying in those characters that you've kind of seen throughout the season, like Cyril and Payne, like Grandmeister Pycelle, like uh, they even showed the pyromancer at one point. Um, you know, he kind of like stuck his head out to uh, talk yeah. to Tyrion. Yeah, and, and then, I, I feel- you know, they cut back to him after the wildfire exploded <laughs> so and did so well. And he was like, "Yeah, he's like, I'm really good at this stuff, right?" And like, it was so funny. And that was so cool that shot because you saw the four reactions. You saw t- the Hound and Tyrion just looking absolutely horrified. Like even though they had. You know, this was their way of defending themselves. The screams, the pain, the death, they were not, they were not into it. And then you look to the, the, the pyromancer and Joffrey, who are just like these six <laughs> smiles on their faces, just like, right. yes, this is New Year's I, Eve. <laughs> I, that's exactly what I was, I, I literally have this in my notes and I said, <laughs> and that's how China celebrates the New Year. Oh. When it cut wow. to the when it cut to the wide shot, well, I mean, like not with boats, but like that wide shot was brilliant. It was explosive. Yes. It was great. I um, I'm kind of disappointed that they didn't go the route of how the book was written because the way the book was written, it gave Tyrion a lot more credit for being a lot more clever. The way he sort of bottlenecked the ships, and and this isn't a spoiler brandy stretch, but what he did was he he bottlenecked the ships, and the way he set up this wildfire was all of the ships had in order to land on the shore, they had to go through this certain place that the fire was burning. So no matter what, if they weren't in the first blast, they would at least start, they would at least get caught on fire and it would still mess up a lot of what they were doing. So I think you got that though. Like yeah, I might have been yeah. colored. I mean, but he definitely did look smart for sure. Yeah. And you've got, yeah, you, you had him setting it all in motion. Whoever it was that told him you're, it was a Varus who said, you're our only hope, you know? Yeah. Obi-Wan no, that's Kenobi. true. And, um, then you had Bronn setting the ships on fire. You know, it's definitely a Tyrion connection. And, oh, 
Tyrion. When I saw that happen and he made that shot, I was immediately thought of Micah and all I thought was Braun Favre. Like a total like <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just a total like What if oh. he missed? Like what if it what if you know it's somebody could have shot him? And dude, at overtime, when the clock's ticking and the rally, the it really like your team's down. Like who who do you want in your corner? You want Brett Favre throwing the Hail Mary? Yes, of course you do. So he steps out and he launches it, and it was amazing, and it was perfect, and it was sweet. Yes, I, I was I was so pumped, and I loved the the episode thumbnail. And um, I got a few tweets. Who who tweeted me? I got a tweet. Let me find it. Taste the man on Twitter or Taz the man on Twitter was saying. He knows that um, it isn't the season. He knew it wasn't the season finale, but he felt like um, with how much attention that HBO was giving this episode, it felt like a season finale. And it sort of did mm-hmm. the way they were you know, advertising it. And it's the one the whole season has been building up to. Yeah, even that's though true. That's kind of, it's kind of weird because we like I was expecting, I guess, this coming into a bit more broad view of the episode, but because it was Blackwater and it was George R. R. Martin and it was a big episode and so much money and CGI, I was sort of expecting a bit more, not to be tied up, but I was expecting a bit more, maybe just outside of the battle reactions, just something. Yeah. So it, that was it definitely a bit. was more narrow than I foresaw it being. Yeah, me too. But I loved what we did see, though, so I'm, I'm not complaining. Yeah, me, me either. Uh, you mentioned Meister Picel, Micah, and I thought that, again, Martin did a, 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 just a brilliant job to reiterate what you were saying, bringing in all of these exterior characters. And that entire moment, I feel like, painted, in that small dialogue, painted just a huge picture of what was to come in the episode when he was saying, as my job... I know that I'm supposed to give counsel. And he was like, basically, I have to give you some advice. Because he was really trying to tell Cersei to get her shit together. Like, because it was about to get crazy. And she still was just, you know, and and we saw it right at the very end of the episode. She was just at her wit's end. And she just got totally wasted throughout the episode. And I really feel like (laughs) drunk Cersei channeled Kieran Knightley. And I I know that that sounds weird, but I want you to go back and watch it if you can. She looked and Hmm. felt and had the same dialogue as Karen Knightley. It was crazy. Interesting. (laughs) No, you have to go back and look Uh because I was I was reversing the the episode and watching it. I was like, oh my god, this is so. This is Pirates of the Caribbean meets Lord of the Rings. This is perfect. Yeah. No, I I mean she was brilliant though, Karen Knightley or not, she was fantastic. I was just, even though I I read the books and I was like. I knew that that potion wasn't going to be used on anyone. I thought it, like, I believed it. And I was thinking, there came a point where I was like, is Martin going to do something really crazy? Like, kill <laughs> off Tommen or well, Sansa or something? <laughs> He's like, well, Tyrion's now, or Tywin's now kind of a nice guy. Like, I'm, I am I could throw my own wrench <laughs> into the show. Hell, I wrote it. So, you exactly. know, I'm going to kill this kid. See what happens. Yeah, because they always say that, you know, he's not afraid to kill characters. So, it's like, why is that just in the books? <laughs> <laughs> I I found uh, a, a one particular moment so hilarious when they were the exchange between Tyrion and Varys. They were doing their whole, you know, they were kind of echoing last episode and having their little council moment. And they were talking about like the boys in the kingdom. And he was like oh. saying, well, I, I know that you know all the boys in the city. And he was like, I'm not entirely sure what you're suggesting. And he goes, I'm entirely sure you're entirely sure what I'm suggesting. Yes, that was a very Martin line. I was yes. like, oh, yes, finally. And you know, that was, um, sorry, I'm so excited. <laughs> um, but you know, that's like, that's the, the Martin writing that I was talking about that you feel in this episode, especially for Tyrion, because those are the kind of like play on words and little sort of 
fancy things that he did that was so spectacular that was one of them another one was um you know which i'm sure we might come back to later in the episode hint hint was um <laughs> when they were on the bat the the battlements uh or you know the the whatever they were and the um, castle there the, you yes go. yes they, they were in the castle and um and you had the uh Braun and Tyrion and, to- and Joffrey and the Hound and you had that hilarious exchange of them basically being five-year-olds and Tyrion goes Lancel tell the Hound to tell the king that the hand <laughs> is extremely busy <laughs> I, just, I laughed I think it's the first time I've laughed out loud this season like, I it think was good. stuff is funny, but that was hilarious. Yes. No, I definitely caught myself about three or four times during the episode going, oh, this is so good. <laughs> this is such a good episode. You don't think and, he stole that from J.K. Rowling uh, from Goblet of Fire, where it's like, tell uh, Ron but it was stupid in Goblet of Fire. Down the line. Sure, he did. No, I, I'm sure he did. No. No, because <laughs> it was so amazing this time. Um, but like, I took so many different things away from this episode and it was cool that I was, cause you know, you're so right. I was taking away a lot of humor at the same time and this probably was misguided, but I was watching, you know, finally when the, the, they started ringing the bells and Stannis started really approaching and he was like, all right, well, let's start drumming the drums. Right. And I just thought, man, being the war drummer would be really boring because you're doing, like, everyone's doing it. Like there's epicness happening. You know, that you have your blood pumping, maybe you're vomiting. Like either way, there's fluids moving inside of your body and you're just the dude that's drumming. And I just found that sort of boring <laughs> <laughs> personally. Although uh-huh. I feel like maybe Joffrey would have enjoyed that much more. And you got blown up on top of it. Yeah. Right. I the know. Explosions. It's like no win. I, the, the wildfire definitely um, exceeded my expectations. I didn't know it was going to be that explosive. So Props to the guy who looks like the guy from the lake house on Ocarina of Time, the mad scientist. You did a good job with oh, the wildfire. Yeah. That's true. He does look like and him. And he did. He make, does. Yes, he does. Wait, wait. Have you played Ocarina of Time, Selena? That's like my favorite game. Oh, did you he looks just that, like him. <laughs> yes. Did you realize that Zelda is like my absolute favorite game series of all time? Every time you mention it, I do like this little like internal dance <laughs> uh, well good 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 well I, I, this is a very obscure reference but he also looks just like the fortune teller from the super nes game um <laughs> uh legend of the mystical ninja he looks just like the fortune teller oh. with the little glasses so if anyone listening to the show has played that game that's all i could think about as well they're like reusing recycling this character throughout all forms of fiction just this <laughs> this old guy who's really smart and he like loves destruction yes. but uh Anyway, so so Tyrion is standing on the staircase, and we talked about this earlier. But when he says, um, or no, what, what does he say? He, the guy is saying he's going to cut him in half, and he goes, "Well, then I would be the quarter man," and it just has a yes. slightly less r- good ring to it. That was so good. That was another one I had written down as one of my favorite lines. Again, more and more humor that we're getting throughout the episode, and then so we're seeing more of this battle. Joffrey is getting just like he's scared to death because the ships have landed. And they're there, and they're heading toward the mud gate. Um, we had the really awkward shot where the rock lands on someone's head, and it definitely looked like kind of a bad effect. But uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys know what I'm talking about. It's kind of mm-hmm. hilarious. And anyway, oh, so the that, guy right across from Stannis. Yeah, didn't that look a little weird? It's just like, eh. and throughout yeah. the whole thing, we're getting cut cutbacks to you know, Cersei is just like getting wasted, and she's like. Sansa, get over here. Join me in this drinkage. And he tells her, no, drink. And she's like, sip. She's like, no, I mean, drink. Yeah. yeah. Chug that. Yeah. Get, get your get your chug on. And then we finally get a little perspective where she sort of lays down the wall of being proper. And she's like, Sansa, if I could get a personal uh, audience with any other king other than Stannis, I mean, I could take care of this with some sex. 
You know what I mean? And we mm-hmm. kind of get like she breaks down that wall and she tells Sansa there there are different ways a girl can take um can take control of things and can have power and can play this Game of Thrones. Yeah, it got a little it got a little interesting, and I feel like it kind of clicked in Sansa's head. It's like as if she didn't know it, but we learned so much more from that right. scene. What'd she say? Like the greatest, what one of the greatest weapons you have is between your legs. Yeah, yeah. Learn how to use it. So you yeah. said that was a good line. I um I thought they had one of one of my sort of not favorite parts of of Cersei's character. I think that's a weird thing to say, but one of the sort of prevalent themes when we start seeing her perspective in the books, which we didn't actually in um, A Clash of Kings, if I remember correctly, uh, which I don't always. Spoiler alert, or yes. Um, <laughs> but so, but she said she had the line that says, "I should have been born a man," and I love that because that is putting into the show what she is thinking this is what drives her thinking through all that she does and i don't i don't know if she ever verbalizes it but that was so great because that explains her so well it, well. it explains uh why we got the bit of Taiwan talking to Arya, saying you remind me so much of my daughter because Arya is dev- like it, it basically shows a future of what Arya could be if she decided to go the womanly route and not cut her hair and be crazy yeah, and boy. It's basically you know? Brienne or Cersei for her. There's no... <laughs> right. Well, seriously, but, but but for real though, and, and I feel like it explains a lot of the reason why Cersei is so less womanly about like how she uses sex for glory and like uses it as a game and how she's, she's really lenient about like the, her whole thing with Lancel. It's just like... Because she doesn't see it the same way, I guess a you know a woman would. She's very manly when it comes she to she threw his ass to the ground. Too. Right, right. I but know. It, ex- it explains how masculine she is and during also, you know during this whole conflict. It also explains how why she's so bitter. I think that's true. Yeah. Definitely, no, that true. is why she is pouting all the time and angry, and she feels so trapped in her female body and in her position of power. But no one really takes her seriously because she's a woman. And they all think she's kind of crazy, and she just keeps, instead of working with that, she just keeps thinking, well, if I was a man, if I was Jamie, I wouldn't have this problem. And, and I looked just like Jamie when we were little, and instead he gets all the swords and glory, and I had to play dolls mm, with way, people way, that way. <laughs> Yeah, I guess there is a little bit of Arya to her, though. In, That's what I'm saying. Way. Yeah. But I yeah. mean, Arya's got the Ned Stark blood, obviously, but I feel like the same thing is happening with Cersei and, and explains a lot of her character. I don't know. I just, from the show, we get so much disdain toward the Lannisters and, um, you know, obviously it's, they asked for it, but the same way they're painting Tywin as sort of more likable scenes like this with Cersei, she's drunk and at her wits end. It, it, it makes her, even with her possibly killing her child with, with the Night's Bane or whatever it was called. I feel like <laughs> it makes Nightshade. her, Nightshade. I feel like it makes her more likable in that moment. I mean, yes, definitely. The Lannisters are like the most three-dimensional characters in the books, I will argue, all three of them. Yeah, no, it's true. Because we still like Jamie, Like, Jamie and Brienne's thing, which we got to see in the preview, which which I'm excited to see a little bit of for the season's over. I mean, I I know that I'm going to like Jamie so much more. And we had our little dialogue about Jamie before we started the show. (laughs) I think, though, that that Cersei, in a way, she's trying to teach... Sansa and I don't know that Sansa always gets it because she is this young teenage girl but just with her comments about the gods you know she says the gods have no mercy that's why they're gods she's almost downplaying religion when Sansa says that oh we're going to go pray to the gods you know for victory and things like that 
and you know she's she's teaching her about have you ever been in a city when it's been sacked you know telling her what happens when the city's under siege and how all the women get raped and how she's lucky because you know she's just flowered i guess is the right term to use but i just feel like there is a part of cersei that has gone through so much and she's trying to i, I don't know see i feel like there's moments where she feels pity for Sansa because she sees somebody who's about yeah. to go through something similar to herself. Well, she she even says it. She goes, she goes. I had to marry Robert, and you have to marry Joffrey. Enjoy, you know. Like she even pretty much outright says it. Right. Yes, definitely. She feels so much pity for Sansa because she's a younger her. But at the same time, I also think that she feels a disdain for her because you know, as as Shay said, she's jealous because Sansa is young, because Sansa is. You know, it's the whole mirror, mirror thing, you know. She goes, you're so perfect, aren't you? Yeah, she's so perfect. And also, because Sansa is the woman, I think, that Cersei never was. Sansa plays the court game. She is the little bird. She never speaks out of turn. She always follows her little script. And you can tell how much she hates them all, but she never says anything wrong to their face. And I think that pisses her off. It's like like it pisses the hound off. Yeah, You know, it just makes him respect her at the same time. Yeah, it goes back to what Tyrion said several episodes ago. You know, after she made a comment, she, I think he says, "Sansa, you might survive us yet," or something along those lines. It's like she's playing her cards perfectly. She's playing the game, baby. That's what she's doing. Mm-hmm. You get that uh, preview for next episode where she's talking with Baelish, and he's saying. Everybody around you is a bunch of liars, and and each of them is better at lying than you are. So, oh yeah. It's almost like she's proper and she says the right things, but I feel like that's only going to get her so far. She really has to kind of up her game to the next level. Definitely. Right. So then Lance will tell Cersei all is lost because he's just a little wiener. All right, let's be honest here. Lancel's just a little wiener. And then like, so when they take, when they, Joffrey leaves the battle, I didn't see that happening. I, I saw if anything, he was going to lead and some shit was going to happen and he was going to get captured. Or I saw I thought if he leaves the battle, they're going to escape through the tunnels because they brought the tunnels up. So I just assumed that they were going to use them, right? Um, and that mm-hmm. and that didn't happen. They didn't bring. They, they, he didn't go escape. He just went and hid. And so Tyrion is basically left. He's in the hand of the king. He's the like the Lan- the last Lannister that's out there, and he's left with his whole speech, which I just thought was just a brilliant piece of the show because we finally get to see Tyrion being even more of a badass and leading people who at first were even being a dick to him, but he just like stepped it up, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. I think that he did a great job and Joffrey just leaves. He deserts his people altogether. I mean, all he had to do was stay up there and be under the protection of you know, his guard, but instead he turns his back because his mummy called him, uh, you know, to come back inside the keep. And Tyrion turns around and has this awesome speech, which rallies the troops, which motivates them. And it just shows you, I, I mean, can we talk for a second, though, about the fact that Joffrey is only, what, in his, um, in his mid-teens? I mean, how is he supposed to be able to, you know, sort of instill confidence in, in these troops? I mean, they start young, don't they? Like they—they're supposed. That's the hard part of being a a, guy, a boy in that era. Well, I, I can't remember exactly from the first book whether or not he's older than Rob, but I know that um, earlier in the series that he gave him shit, like when they were out 
practicing in Winterfell. Like he was definitely acting like he was older and better than Rob. So I'm assuming that they're very close in age. So you have Rob Stark going, you have Rob Stark going, fighting directly in the fold and he's leading all of these wars. And then you have the flip side of Joffrey who's, you know, he has heart eater and the most he did with it was have a chick kiss it, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's an interesting, it's an interesting flip there. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. And then you have Tyrion, which I feel like he said the best line. Literally, th- now I did more than LOL. Uh-oh. I pretty much shouted. And I'm not a very emotional <laughs> person when I watch TV, but I pretty much shouted because I'm sort of a fan of medieval battle scenes. And I think that, and I've heard many inspira- inspiring speeches from Aragorn, son of Arathorn. I've heard speeches from Gandalf Graham. You know what I mean? The Mithrandir, Gandalf the White. The list goes on. <laughs> I've heard inspiring speeches. But Tyrion said his bit, and he says, Those are brave men knocking at our door let's go kill them (laughs) (laughs) that was Uh, the the best and he said something about like going from behind or something as well that was really funny oh yeah yeah yeah. i don't remember Uh, i didn't write it down how fantastic was that speech though like how are that whole scene where and this is one of my the the most powerful parts of the book. I'm so glad they kept it where Tyrion is sort of, because he is such a hero. He is so brave. He's just, ah, oh, um, like out, out, out of the, you know, sky, amazing. And then he, he, he stands here. Joffrey has left. The men are giving up. All hope is lost. And he's like, screw it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, because he has the courage and he is such an honorable man. And he says, right. You will all follow me. And they're all like, nah, <laughs> like, we're not going to follow you. And he's like, you know what? This is like, and he, he pulled, he pulled up that line. They say, I'm half a man. What does that make you? Yeah. Oh, you know, I, I didn't see him becoming such a badass in this episode for some reason. I just feel like I thought this might be his decline. Like this would be the, this would be the episode where he stops owning, but he just steps up and destroys, just, just owns, completely yes. destroys. Like he, he runs outside and he pulls Gimli the dwarf and he channels the son of Gloin and just chops off that dude's leg in one swing. And I was like, that's a really sharp axe. <laughs> but after that moment, I thought, cause when, when the, uh, when the boat got caught on fire and they started chanting his name, I was uh, being a little cynical oh, towards just the fil- filmmaking perspective. I couldn't hear what they were chanting. Yeah, I, I had to really think about it, and then I discovered, okay, they're saying half man. Okay, I got it, oh. half man, right? I feel like that could have been a little bit more discernible, too. But I, from, I was being kind of cynical from a filmmaking perspective because I was thinking, this is Game of Thrones. Like, I probably could have gotten 20 of my friends together to be extras if you guys really needed it. I didn't think that there was a lot of people there. Like, this doesn't look like a war, thousands of people. And then it cut automatically to like the beach and it showed all of them coming. Yeah, what does he say? Oh, fuck me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I actually saw a tweet. Somebody tweeted. I can't remember who it was, but they said Tyrion's speech is going to be used as, as like pregame sports matches, uh, you know, as sort of the rallying speech now, you know, like. I guess if you'd use a speech from Braveheart or something like that, or old sort of um, you know famous coaches speaking, to so their he's teams like the speaking. new Rudy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I could see that though. I could see a coach using Tyrion's speech as motivation, uh, you know, to kind of get your team amped up for uh, for a game or for an opponent, something like that. So I just thought uh, I thought it was. Uh, it was awesome, though, to, to just kind of watch that whole thing play itself out. You know, you, you kind of go from wildfire, it's like advantage Lannister, to 
Stannis charging the beach, advantage Stannis to Tyrion circling around and looking like uh, they've been able to take the shore, and then it's advantage Tyrion, and then Stannis's men come charging down the beach, advantage Stannis, and then you finally get to, you know, Tyrion passing out after getting sliced across the face, and you see this whole other set of troops charging in, and then you know, obviously the end of the episode, but I thought it was really cool how they kept kind of like flipping from one side to the other and, you know, advantage was shifting between sides. It's just Mm -hmm. good writing all around. It made it, it kept it interesting and, you know. But you said, Micah, that's another sort of fact, factor of, of us not having a side, you know, because that's the difference, I guess, with the big Battle of Helm's Deep is that we were clearly not on the side of the orcs. <laughs> we were on the side of the humans. And yeah. in this side, we're, we, are, we are not fighting a war against, with the, with the characters. We are fighting both sides. Like, yeah. we see one side, and then we see the other side, and we are on both sides. And so... Right. It's really weird when you think about it, watching it la- that way. And then you cut to Stannis and you're like, ooh, what's he going to do? And then it's just, it's it's really interesting. My overarching concern about the whole situation, which I, I guess put me on the side of the Lannisters, which I hate to say because I think Joffrey is an insufferable little shit and I don't like him or what he's doing. Um, and I feel like his mom is becoming more open about saying that he sucks publicly. So I guess that's cool. That's progress. Right. But when Varys was talking to Tyrion and he was leveling with him, which he has done very few times ever in his existence. And he was like, listen, first off, I'm going to tell you eventually about the bad way I was taken care of as a kid. And I'm going to tell you about how I know that magic and bad things exist in the world. But he was like, Tyrion, no bullshit, man. If Stannis, who is a definitely a cooler guy than Joffrey, I will give him that. But if he takes over bearing the torch of Melisandre and bearing the torch of the Lord, Lord of light, this is going to be a much worse situation than having just a jackass at the throne. Like this is going to be nationwide nations wide, Badness. It's going to be bad for all of us. Evil magic getting to the throne is not good. So mm-hmm. we have an implication that I feel like was kind of overlooked. Even I, myself, I overlooked it a little bit while watching the episode. But it's like it's easy to like Stannis, but at the same time, it's it's also easy to forget what he is now about. You know? Yes, exactly. And I guess I don't have that problem with easy to like Stannis because I just hate him. Right. <laughs> but I see what right. you mean. Well, I mean, well, as far as he killed Renly, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, right. pretty but, much. Yeah, I think you also got in in what you just pointed out, Zach, how much Varus knows. You know, you almost forget how much knowledge he has, and it's kind of reinforced by Davos on the boat where he says the line about knowing what you had for breakfast. But he's such a player in this game, and I think that's often overlooked. Like, he has an agenda. Right. And I feel like People sometimes forget that. He's created this subtle alliance right now for the time being being with Tyrion. I think there's a – they they do like each other. They get along very Mm. well. There's sort of that mutual respect. But again, that's kind of one of those peripheral characters that we talked about earlier on in this episode that you got a little bit more insight into. And I thought that you know he really kind of showed that he's playing this game. At, at a level maybe none of us really are aware of yet. 
That's true. And it's kind of scary, but at the same time, it's like he's not directly trying to take over any throne. So we're, we aren't thinking about him. But the simple fact that Martin added that line in with um, Davos and the simple fact that he added such a crucial scene with him and Tyrion, I think he's making it very clear that in the future, series three and beyond, that we need to keep him on our minds to some degree. Yeah. God, right. this is amazing. This is like a chess game, but visual. <laughs> it's it's a really master chess it's game. unfolding really well. And I'm yes. excited to 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 get into the off season and to share with you guys listening to the show some of the stuff that we have planned because, you know, we have only two months out of the year that we got to enjoy Game of Thrones, like the actual visual television experience. But we have another, you know, ten months and depending on when they release it next year to wait, which is really depressing when you think about it you know yeah that's not <laughs> there, i mean there's there's lots of other forms of entertainment out there i mean like for example we all work that keeps us busy that's but fun. but uh you know there's lots of other things like i'm about to reread potter for my yearly reread which micah was encouraging me to do yeah. <laughs> and you know there's there's lots of different things to keep us busy like there's summer shows there's blah 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 but you know is that I, a new summer show I don't think so. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, yeah, I'm the uh, co-writer. It's going to be very good. It's just a bunch of nothing, basically. Yeah. But um, I feel like we it's different. And it's not just that we do a podcast for it. And I guess the fact that we do do a podcast for it um, kind of paints this without me even, even saying it. But there is a very big difference between a show and an experience like Game of Thrones compared to other things on television. Yes, Really? Yeah. One thing I found interesting about how this show is written, though, is that you you all, you have sort of the big moment, an episode before the season ends, and they did it last year with Baylor, and now they did it again this year with Blackwater, and then it's sort of like the last episode is a buildup to the upcoming season. You know, you don't you don't get a massive cliffhanger. I mean, you had uh, Daenerys walking out of the fire naked with dragons all over her last year, but you know, I'm interested to see what they do because you know they might you do don't, the you're, same you're not thing. Left astounded. Yeah, they might actually. They might have her walk out with her dragons of the House of the. <laughs> I, te- I texted you about it last night, or I guess it was your your, your this afternoon, mine last night. But I was uh, just like, hey, what? How about that? What did I say? I think it was like four texts long, where I was just owning your whole existence, right? Pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I said, hey, we get to see House of the Boring next week. Yeah, I mean. I mean, House of the Uninteresting. Oh, I mean, House of the Undying. My bad. Yeah. Captain Creepy Faces. Captain Creepy yes. Face will come back. No, but it, it's true. And doesn't it feel like a very, and I hate to keep bringing up Potter, and, and I, it's just a good litmus test, but it's it's it feels like a chunk of fantasy that's very Lord of the Rings, very Potter, very, I can't really say anything else, honestly. Nothing right. recently, for example, but that just transcends normal fandom and it becomes something mm. that's really 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 liked and really like people really look forward to this show it's just a huge outpouring i mean we're seeing it from celebrities we're seeing it from you know crazy incessant tweets athletes i mean and it's not to say that they aren't normal people and they don't enjoy good shit too but this show very obviously transcends the normal bounds of people who are fans of of this kind of fiction you know what it reminds me of and this might be this might make no sense to anyone else, but it really feels a lot like Battlestar Galactica. If either of you guys have ever watched it, obviously that, I am that's in space. A massive BSG okay, fan. Okay, well there you go. <laughs> obviously that is in space, and this is in like a fictionalized past. But it just—it's the feel of it. It's the—it's the, it's the um, claustrophobic feel and the characters, the raw. 
that's sort of true. them just having to deal with each other in a world where there are no rules to be a cliche um and where the threat is human against human the uh, actually actually well cylons and kind Cylon, of being humans but, yeah you know. <laughs> no i know no for all intents and purposes you're right and that that's actually really funny i haven't made that connection yet which is really weird because like i said i'm a massive bsg fan but like when i'm telling when i'm telling people about bsg what i tell them and this i think it says the same for game of thrones but bsg is a show that rather than just being like a science fiction show that is just a character the fact that they're in space mm-hmm. is just a piece of it but it, it really pulls in elements from every form of entertainment like we have political we have um comedy we have action we have romance it's just like every single subgenre that many shows and many books and many movies are completely based on one vein it very smartly can combine all of it in a world that is beyond what we have now and still is is um approachable by pretty much any viewer yeah because it feels so real and that's the exact same thing about game of thrones it all all their reactions to what happens feels so real that we are able to associate so well with it because it is so realistic and it is not just black and white by any stretch of the imagination you literally yeah. just blew my mind with that, just so you know. There you go. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> think the a perfect example too. of that was Tyrion, you know, watching yes. Blackwater Bay burn and all those people burning, realizing mm-hmm. that he was responsible for their deaths. You know, I think you got that, you got that, you know, emotion from him because he is such a, a layered character. Um, but before we get on sort of to the, to the owns of the week, I just wanted to talk about, you know, when he is attacked in that scene and he gets that slash across his face, you know, he's attacked by one of the King's guard. And you know, we were talking a little bit about this before the show. Do you think that was a, a hit that was put out on him by one of the Lannisters? Um... Mainly Cersei. I mean, <laughs> I think she'd probably be the only one who would, uh, go after her brother. I, I personally think, and then this is just from, from what I've seen from the show, and there might be more in the books, but I probably I think that it's it was a lot of personal disdain that this guy has for Tyrion and saw an advantage. Like, it was hey, just an the, opportunity. Yeah, we're in the middle of a battlefield, and I definitely get to take care of this little runt now. Like, I can't be annoyed any longer. Right. And then Podrick comes in and freaking owns. <laughs> when I when I see Podrick, all I can think of is Sturgis Podmore. I'm sorry. That's all I could think of. <laughs> these, <laughs> these names. Uh, too much. Yes. Too similar. Yeah. I know. I know. How about uh, Tywin to the rescue? I mean, oh, we were yes. left last episode thinking that he was going off after Rob Stark. I just have to say that when that whole scene happened, I was really confused at first when I saw the lover of Renly, when I saw Sir Loras pop in. And then. When Tywin Lannister came in, I was just like whooping. I was like, yes. And I know I'm not supposed to like Tywin, but damn it, the show makes him such a good badass. So I was just like, all right. Nice you work. Know, this is like super embarrassing, but I'm going to admit it anyway. When I, well, you know, when, when they came in and Tywin came in and I was like, yay, Tywin and saving Tommen and all that. And then um, the guy pulled off his helmet and he was like oh it's me and i was like who the hell is that guy <laughs> no. i was like it's not lancel hmm and i was like trying to look it and i just could not because you know, it's kind of like when you see someone on the street and like you know you know them but you don't know where you know them from that was like the same reaction i was like who the hell is this guy 
Yeah. <laughs> it was. Uh, it took me like five minutes. I, so I was like, oh. I, he looked. He looked decidedly less flamboyant. Like he was just like, you know what? I'm mad now. Renly's gone. Yeah. And I'm just. He gonna had his shirt, shirt on. That's what it was. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, obviously, they decided to partner up with the Lannisters, and uh, it's going to be an interesting alliance now with the Tyrells and the Lannisters. This is what I hope. Okay, I hope that they stick together. Wipe out Stannis's people, and I hope that for some magical reason, Tywin's like, you know what, Rob? Your little sister was my cupbearer. She was a pretty good egg. Let's bro up. And you know what? Joffrey is a pretty sorry king. So you know what? Tyrion, go ahead and be king. And here's here's what we're going to do. I hear that there's some trouble going on up north, and your bastard brother, who's a very nice gentleman, um, is, 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 is going through some shit. So we're going to go take care of all these people beyond the wall and just wipe them out because we have a little bit of time. And when we're done with that, there's this chick that has some dragons, and we're going to revisit this when it's time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> that would be so much. Yeah, you just solved just all their that. problems in like yes. 30 seconds. <laughs> well, you know, I just feel like it's that easy. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Hey, Cylons, here, I have an idea. Stop dicking with the humans. <laughs> You're different. Go away. Space is massive. <laughs> the end. You know what there I mean? There you go. Yes, exactly. That's going to be the new Harry Potter reference that we make all the time. <laughs> oh, God. Well, you know, the listeners are probably uh, thankful for that, most likely. Yeah. And we got to see we get to see some shakeups of character dynamics now because all season we've had these very distinct separations and now there's finally going to be... A, a clash <laughs> of oh, kings. The true clash of <laughs> kings you will. comes through. Um, Perfect moment to segue into our owns of the week, which uh, if you guys are new to the show, and this is your first time, basically the cast of this show, which uh, for us is just the three of us today. Uh, we go around, we talk about our favorite moments of the week that we felt like was the most own worthy. And it's almost like it's a clever wordplay on our podcast name. Mm, almost imagine that mm. so um yeah and then after that we'll definitely share some of the ones that you guys have tweeted at us and thrown our way on facebook all right this was a moment where uh just after the wildfire had hit and all the ships had exploded and stannis gives the orders to head to shore despite everything that's happened and one of his men turns to him and says hundreds will die and he says thousands mm, <laughs> oh yes. That was obscure. You're like a hipster, like own, like you've been doing it for a while, I guess. <laughs> that was, that was I pulled one that not did not come up in the episode at all. Mine was I so many awesome quotes and so many awesome little moments. But I mean, if we're gonna go with ultimate own, we have to go with Bronn owning the entire fleet with one arrow. I mean, ah! Legolas much? <laughs> <laughs> How about him though? Also. Uh talking friendship with Tyrion just before they went off to battle. Oh, yes. Comedic moment between the two of them. And and he said something about money making it um, even better, right? Wasn't that it? He's like, I thought we were friends. And he's like, we are friends. He's like, just because I'm your friend, I pay you to like work with me doesn't mean that we're not friends. And he goes, actually, if anything, if it, it enhances the relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, enhances. That's a very fancy, like they were totally bullshitting. Like that's a very <laughs> fancy word for you for a sellsore. And he's like, well, I've been hanging out with fancy people. What do I got to say? <laughs> exactly. Goodness, goodness, goodness. Okay. Well, my own of the week um, actually literally was the same as uh, Selena. So now I feel I have to change it. I mean, I just feel like that was obviously the best moment because he was just like, yes. take this. This is an arrow. Take it and just, you know, I'm going to launch it your way. 
Um, but I think that for me, the own was probably, if I want to really get down to it, the moment when Bronn and the Hound were looking at each other, just as people were filing out because the battle had started, and he was like, I think we should get that last drink. And the Hound was like, mm, okay. And they got that last drink. So for me, that was, I feel like... It was a mutual own. Like they both owned each other's like bullshit attitudes and like, I don't know, they kind of sucked it up a little bit and decided to stop being a little obnoxious. Mm. So that was cool. Stubbornness to the mill. I liked yeah. it. I guess I am um, a, a runner up own that I haven't seen mentioned in the tweets is uh, when Cersei imp slaps Lancel. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he right where he'd been hit with an arrow, right? Exactly. <laughs> She's like dug it in a little bit more there was another one too from sansa that i didn't see a lot of either and that was the worst ones always live yeah oh, that's Talk so true though. joffrey i was just gonna bring up the first tweet that uh, i found that i thought we should mention which is by david uh d otson who said i believe it is a quote from the hound to sansa he says the world is built by killers so you might as well get used to looking at them I thought that was a brilliant line <laughs> oh, and a wake-up yeah, call about for her. That. I hate to bring up Mary doesn't tweet again because Mary does tweet, but uh, Ty- Tywin walking into the throne room like a boss, of course, definitely. Uh, I agree with you. Ownworthy. Very, very good stuff. Mm-hmm. There was a, there was another one by Camille Schatz who says, as much as I hate her, C- Cersei, when Sansa says, but you were Robert's queen, and Cersei replies, and you will be Joffrey's. Enjoy. <laughs> 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 yeah. There were so many excellent ones. And I think Jess O'Neill, she definitely um, kind of paints the entire, like, there's a lot of completely vague owns that are very, like, own-worthy. And she just says, Tyrion, enough said. So I think that's just saying his name pretty much works. Yeah. It's a good cop-out. I have one from Amanda Kelly. She says, Blackwater was outstanding. My favorite own was Tyrion owning himself with, quote, oh, fuck me. (laughs) Epic. (laughs) Yes, he owned himself. That was awesome. Everyone said... Everyone said, yeah. Basically, every single one of you said, and I'm specifically like Amber Mooney Lupin on um, Facebook, and who else? I'm just sorry, I was distracted by her very strategic last name. That's very, very nice. Uh, but most of you guys on Twitter, like I said, most of you guys basically just said where the hound says, ah, fuck your dwarf, fuck the king guard, fuck the city, and fuck the king, and just walks out. So, great king speech moment right there. Uh, Ryan McAllister said Tyrion totally owned that dude's leg imp chop style. Larry the Wombat. <laughs> Dude, he has Larry the Wombat has the best Twitter name of all time, I think. <laughs> and yes, you're right. I'm seeing a, I'm seeing a lot of if any of you die with a clean sword, I'll rape your yeah. fucking corpse, which I know Selena brought up earlier in the episode. Yes. Right. And we had a, the Sansa one as well. Lots of people thought Sansa had an own, and she never gets to have an own, so that's nice. Shelly O'Connell has three of them on Facebook, and they're mostly true. I, I, let me, let, let's just say here, we would have an entire new episode if we had to read off all of your owns of the week, because all of them were concise and true and amazing and brilliant. And you know what? This is just a darn good episode. And the mm. fact of the matter is, this whole episode in general was an own. But I think that just the three two. of us can come to a pretty strong agreement when I say that the real own of the week goes to George R. R. Martin for just just an exceptional job adapting his book to this mm. one TV episode. You know what I'm saying? Or as Tran Nguyen says on Twitter, and Game of Thrones owned every other show in existence. 
Boom. So if you'd like to join Tran and all these other clever people that are too smart for their own good, you can join them by tweeting your favorite own of the week to Game of Owns on Twitter. And, you know, the sad thing is we have one episode left. Just the finale, which is totally sad. But, you know, next week is your, like, last moment to sound like a total baller and to be more clever than anyone. So get those owns in before everyone else. Stay up really late on Sunday night and just, like, spam our Twitter feed, and we'll be sure to read them on the show. Sorry, I didn't know what to say to that. (laughs) Sorry, I'm reading something from Carolyn on Twitter. She said, Tywin totally hooked up with the Knight of Flowers. How else would he get his allegiance? I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> that makes complete sense. If you like to join Carolyn and maybe you don't have Twitter, you can leave us uh, a message on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash gameofowns or email us, contact at gameofowns.com and uh, as always, we appreciate you guys going on to iTunes, rating and reviewing the podcast. Five stars is pretty acceptable. Uh, nothing less. <laughs> <laughs> nothing less will do. That is all. Uh, uh, otherwise, we will own you in some capacity. <laughs> and, uh, that just doesn't we'll, work out too we well. We'll track no. you down. Exactly. Yes. We're going to send Eric after each of you. And <laughs> Eric's the big fan of Theon, so you guys know how terrible that would be. No threats or anything. Totally acceptable <laughs> to burn people and to hijack their homes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So we're we're threatening people for those reviews now. <laughs> no, it's but got to that point. In all seriousness, we really do appreciate your great reviews. Uh, we read them and uh, are very appreciative of all the great feedback you guys have been giving us the last few mm-hmm. weeks. Absolutely. And uh, Absolutely. there's another place that you can leave your feedback, which is Hypable.com, which is where I'll be reporting the news on Game of Thrones and a bunch of other fandoms. And if you leave your comments in the Game of Owns thread, then we'll probably respond to them. So, yay. They're I very- did, yeah. Last week. Sorry, yeah, Zach. you did. No, they're, you they're very the form-like comment structures. I, I, I appreciate it. I like it. I think it's good. Mm-hmm. Somebody had mentioned awesome. that uh, I had uh, said something, and Selena, you kind of just moved us along because it was potentially spoiler-related, spoiler, and I didn't even remember yes. saying it in the episode <laughs> until they reminded me of what it was. So. I was listening back to that episode, and there are quite a few little... I guess Easter eggs that when you've seen season three, you go back and listen. You'll be like, "Wow, Micah just totally <laughs> laid some some clues there." And I, for every one of them, I go, "Hmm." <laughs> Micah, you bastard! <laughs> well, if anybody listened to last week's episode, they kind of know that somebody in this episode probably isn't dead. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. Actually, yeah. oops. <laughs> Spoiler alert: It's not Tywin. He's not dead. <laughs> Just to clean that one up. I think I got our new sign-off for the show. What do you guys think about me saying every show? Those are brave men knocking at our door. Let's go kill them. Sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good to me. And you can start getting the drum beat. Oh, we can put some drums in. Well, maybe we'll just do it for this uh, Blackwater episode. But I, I do feel like we are finally reaching the end of our episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Zach Louie. I'm Micah Tannenbaum. And I'm Selena Wilkin. There are brave men knocking at our door. Join us. We shall go kill them together. Goodbye. Rawr, bye. <laughs> <laughs>